Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Susan Little. And this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. This is Purr Podcast. That's my FM voice. You did a really good job. I know. And uh, and thank you for doing that. You're and welcome. we have a special, as a matter of fact, we have a, this is a flash update. It is like a yes. news. It's a breaking news. It's breaking news right here. And we got and we the got infectious disease the, uh, expert. Oh gosh, I'm so lucky. To we, tell us. Yes, about this breaking news. Yeah. And it is about the plague. <gasps> Yeah. Who do we have here? Oh, it's Michael R. Lappin. Oh. And it's important to use the R because no. there is a Michael A. Lappin <laughs> who likes golden retrievers. Yes. I'm Michael R. Lappin that likes cats. But you also like golden retrievers. I do like golden yeah. retrievers. I like pretty much everything right. and everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I really like infectious disease. Yes. 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 And that is very coincidental because... There is an infectious disease in the news that yeah. we thought was done with in the Middle Ages. Yeah, but you don't think back. of the plague as a yeah, current the, day, right? Yeah, the Black Plague. The plague. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Mike, give us the Yeah, scoop. tell us about oh, plague. Oh boy, I tell you, the Black Plague, it, it is interesting when it rears its head again, it's not makes gone. the news, right. and then you think about, you know, we're going to have a big wipeout of yeah, all yeah. the human yeah. beings yeah. in Oregon. Okay. Uh, but the good news is, Hopefully it'll just be the one case this time. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be so um, explain a little bit what you do for because you have been on our podcast many many times. So very short. Explain who you are <laughs> and then why this topic comes back. Very good. So I am Michael R. Rappin at Colorado State <laughs> University, and I have been liking cats ever since I met Yola Aww. when he was 21 he was a young yeah, man. years of age yeah. in Georgia. Yes. I was 22, yes. and so we've yeah. been hanging around for a, a, long, a long, time. long time. But I did train in infectious diseases yes. at Georgia yeah. with the famous Craig Green. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 Dr. Green, and who is doing well, by the way. Oh, and, oh he is? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't talked with him for so long. Yeah. And, uh, you know, don't overstate. Yeah, that's, that's true. Said. Yeah, and don't give vitamin P unless you have to. Right. It's just prednisolone for the <laughs> audience. Right, 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 right. Yes, no, the infectious disease thing. I, I became interested in infectious diseases because of Craig, right. and I ended up being a cat guy yeah. because right. he gave me two sets of papers papers to read, right. some on Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, some on Toxoplasma. Toxo. Uh. So I'm that toxo friendly neighborhood toxo person. Uh, those of you that don't think you know me, if you've done an IgM, IgG toxo test, yeah. then we have touched each other directly yeah. uh, because we do provide tests for Antec, run tests for IDEX, right. and then my central lab. So I started with cats because of that. But then, you know, I lost that. That was a covered blood. But well that done. Was a <laughs> I mentioned non-denominationally he two did. other labs right. other than he mine. Did. Yeah, excellent. Even uh-huh. though my lab is the central lab. <laughs> it's the central No, it's, it's very serendipitous that we were going to plan a broadcast this week because I happen to like infectious diseases mm-hmm. and I live in a state, Colorado, yeah. where we actually have plague. It's endemic, huh? Oh, yeah. It's in endemic. In the groundhogs or whatever. Yeah, those prairie dogs. Yeah, prairie those prairie little dogs. guys that go under. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, even though we're so dry here, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, we're actually endemic plague areas. And so we deal with that every year. So is this, it's in fleas still? It is in the rodent fleas. And in so, the rodent yeah, fleas. and then the rodents. So not the fleas that cats yeah. normally get. Yeah, felis doesn't like Yersinia pestis, okay. which is good news yeah, for it us is. because it is. that wouldn't be a natural flea host for this bacterium. Okay. It's more the rodent fleas. Okay. So let's go back to the basics. The plague is what? Exactly? It is a bacterium called Yersinia pestis. Right. And it is transmitted a variety of different ways, right. but if you do get it into your body, which is frequently by flea bites, right. it would tend to be a lymph node close to where the flea bit you. Right. So if you were walking through our prairie dog villages mm -hmm. and you got rodent fleas around your ankles, you would probably get big lymph nodes behind your knee right. because that would be the draining pathway. Right. Right. But if you happen to be exposed to your cat, who often gets it from eating a bacteremic rodent, right. they get their buboes, or those big lymph nodes, yeah. often are around the back of their throat. Yeah. Right. So then as the veterinarian or the owner, you yeah. might be feeling those things. Yeah. You might be around the face of that cat. Mm. You might inhale it, which could oh. be pneumonic plague. You could inhale it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, pneumonic plague is considered 100% fatal if you're not placed on antibiotics. Oh, wow. Go away. So and it's a it gets serious in, disease. Oh, yeah. And then if it gets in your blood, then that's septicemic plague, bacteremic plague. Yeah, so you get the three forms uh, in people ex frequently exposed to cats or fleas on rodents. So are there cases in, like, Colorado and those states every year? We have reports almost every year in Colorado, and then our friends just to the south, New Mexico, yeah. very common. Uh, this year in northern Colorado, or excuse me, 2023 mm -hmm. in northern Colorado, we actually had a little bit more of the plague's friend, Francisella tulerensis. Mm. Oh, look at that. And the bunny rabbits. Yeah. Yeah, so bun bunny fever. Rabbit fever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, rabbit fever, lawnmower. Fever. Why lawnmower? If fever? you run over the dead bunny yeah. and inhale it, <gasps> no. you get tularemia. Oh, that why? So we are lucky Lent in Colorado. fever. My oh, yeah. goodness. But that's tularemia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in theory, you could run over a bacteremic rodent and probably right. get plagued that way, too. Yeah. So are most of the reported cases the bubonic form, or...? Thankfully, most people get bubonic plague. Most right. cats get a septicemic bubonic plague. Okay. And the ones I've taken care of, what, about nine in my 34 years wow. at Colorado State, starting there when I so was 12. So can we stress yes. the fact that it is very uncommon? It is very uncommon, thankfully. It's actually common in our environment, right. but uncommon for one of our pets to become infected. Because what often happens with these things is that it will be on CBS, that everybody will be worried mm. about their cats and that sort of things. Don't worry about it because it's very uncommon, but it, you know, you need, if you're in an endemic area, you have to be... It, exactly right, Yola. It, we need to be cognizant of it because it could happen. Uh, Oregon is a little bit more north than normal, right. so that made it yes. a fairly that was unique place. It's warming up. Yes, yes. and I was yeah. uh, with Enrio last night, who is the public health vet uh, mm -hmm. that was working on that case. Oh, so really? It was oh, wow. good to, to spend some time with him. And are they, they sure about a cat connection there? It seems pretty convincing wow. there was a cat connection. Um, but 
back to the organism itself, really everywhere from probably Oklahoma City right. to the west. Yeah. And up to Oregon yeah. uh, could be a place in the area. Yeah, and so really, uh, I think the messages are for our cat owner listeners is it really is one of the reasons that we recommend flea control. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about yeah. miliary dermatitis, we think about Bartonella, which is another significant human illness, mm-hmm. but plague's another one. Mm-hmm. It's good that Ed is not here because otherwise we'll be talking about Bar- Bartonella. <laughs> yeah. Yes, podcast. yes, and if I didn't have to go lecture, you <laughs> me already started. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to force right. myself not to talk right. a lot right. about Bartonella. Yeah, we did this on purpose. So. <laughs> but it is it's great that you guys brought it up because we do have to think about the rodent flea. Right. Uh, their preferred host is obviously not right. the cat. Right. And why it happens in Colorado and some of these desert areas is the rodents like the prairie dog are right. in their burrows right. and the humidity right. is higher in okay. the burrows yeah. Yeah. and so those fleas survive right. whereas right. the tenocephalides doesn't like low humidity right. so okay. I rarely see Bartonella okay. Okay. but I see plague right. potentially. So it's all about the flea and the species of flea and what it likes and doesn't like. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. But but the take home message for me on this one is it is probably better if you can avoid your cat hunting yeah. right. and controlling right. fleas. Right, right. And so there really are the two ways to avoid And it's plague. interesting that you say that because we just had the discussion with Chris not that long ago in our podcast about inside and outside cats and what mm, are the what advantages are the risks, yeah. but this is one of the risks mm-hmm. that you have that when, when yeah. they start hunting these rodents in yeah. an area that's endemic they can eat you know mm-hmm. a infected rodent and then get the get yeah the stuff. but you can yeah. prevent the flea side at least right we right. have some control over that yeah exactly. but the, the fleas are pretty selective don't they i thought that you know it's rare that the cat flea bites me yeah. but yeah. Yeah, cat fleas prefer cats and rodent mm-hmm. fleas right, prefer right, rodents. Right, right. And that's why I think it's important that we emphasize that it's also from ingesting right, okay. the bacteremic rodent, right. and okay. that's what Good cats point. do. Yep. And right. I know we don't like to talk about the inferior species on mm-hmm. the per cast, right. but our last proven case in Colorado right. at the vet's dog <gasps> that had a consolidated lung lobe and came in around Christmas time which is normally when we don't have plague mm, because right. the rodents are in the burrows mm. and right. it's cold. So yeah. And this is why we emphasize the year-round flea yeah, control. Okay. It is so important. It's I'm so okay. happy that you bring that up, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike, because you know people think you know it's winter, so I don't have to do it. But yeah. yes, you do. Yep, 12 months. Yeah. You go year-round. Yeah, it's really yeah. important. It's the same with parasite control. Uh, so, you yeah. know, exactly. worms and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's you cannot... Pasta. It's no, so easy to no. do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And you remember it better if you do it Absolutely. Yeah. The people who study uh, ha- habits, right, mm-hmm. um, say if you do something, you know, every week or every month, but right. there's a pattern to it, right. you remember it better. That's a really good point, right. I yeah. think. Absolutely. Right? So I just have one last question for you. Do you think it's possible that uh, some cats get subclinically infected and just get over it? Or do you think it's like... You know, it's kind of an all or nothing thing. Yeah, no, great news. Uh, many cats would actually be able to handle the bacterium. Okay. And it's like most infections, be a dose related thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a known pathogen. Right, and right. so if you get a big enough dose, and maybe it's if you're older or immune compromised. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm sure there are lots of cats that eat so bacteremic rodents right. that don't develop 
symptomatic right, plague. Right, right. But it's really important that our uh, the veterinarians, obviously, because we're working around yeah. their face. Yeah, yeah. Anything at Colorado State that has lymphadenopathy, fever, right. and potential exposure to bunnies or right. rabbits, yeah. they're actually supposed to call biosecurity right. so that we can discuss the risk factors for those right. two organisms right. to decide where to house the cat right. while we're doing the yeah. PCRs and all those things. Because it's not just examining the cat, it's where do you put it? Yeah, well, because this is a human that was exposed potentially right, from right. handling right. a cat. Right, right. And we've got to protect our staff yeah, and things. Yeah. Wow. So those of us who live in endemic areas, mm. it's pretty normal for us to think yeah. about. Fever, lymphadenopathy, hunting cat, be careful for plague and tularemia. But if when it gets to places that aren't as common. Yeah, like Oregon. Oregon. So what is your advice for human doctors that listen to this podcast? I think human doctors should keep it in mind for any cat or dog owner that has fever, lymphadenopathy Mm. as well, because it is one of those things that the pet could bring it home and one of the other inferior species uh, outbreaks in Colorado the dogs actually transmitted it to a human as well so they can amplify the bacteria it's just a bacteria right right right, one host amplifies it can give it to another host there's a one health thing going on there is there and talking about one health tell us to finalize this wonderful short newsflash podcast about the work that you did to talk to human doctors about zoonotic diseases. Oh, I'm so excited about that as well. So we did start with the American Association of Feline Practitioners and our national uh, zoonosis guidelines. And then we've expanded that now to the World Small Animal Veterinary Association world small companion animal yeah. zoonosis guidelines right. Right. that will be uh, unleashing upon the world here within a couple of months that's awesome and that's you know, awesome and you talked also to the other aafps oh we that's have true there worked is another with the other yes yeah. the american yeah. academy of family physicians right. if right. you google aafp you might end up there right. you yeah. do they come up first i don't know awesome. why they have yeah. a lot more members, I guess. Right, I guess. But yes, we are a team now. That is great news. And the American Academy of Family news. Physicians. It's kind of long overdue to get that synergy together, right, isn't right, it? Right, right. And I believe, Yola, you encouraged us I strongly did. when I you were did. the Wasava president right. to finally get off your backside, Michael, <laughs> right. and make that get it relationship. Done. Right, right, and you right. actually made the first introduction. Right. Thank you. No, it's a wonderful pleasure. But it's so important because I think there is not only from our side things that we need to learn, Mm. but also from the human doctor side. Yeah, it's really important to be a trilogy the pet owner, the veterinarian, and the family physician. Yeah, we're not in silos, right? Going back to the plague, where can people find information if they need some more information? Oh, the Center for Disease Control is still the very CDC, best yep. place. CDC.gov. Uh, uh, yep. It's the best place yeah. to get your information. Great. This was wonderful. Thank you, Thank you for so stopping by in between right. lectures at the right. Western Vet Conference. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For this urgent message, this yes. is the Per Podcast. Perpodcast.net yep. is our website. At Per Podcast is our handle. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, 
and August consultations in feline internal medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at Cat Pet Susan. Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at G-V-E-T-S-X. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast.